Hey everyone, welcome to the Content Rocks podcast with your host Brian McKeever. I'm really excited today to be joined by an industry expert from Uniform, Tim Benicus. Tim, how is it going? It is all good. And I like to be referred to as an industry standard. That's super fancy. <laughs> Might be the first time. I like it. Yeah. Well, you know, I think ever since we kind of uh, ran into each other a little bit at the Content Horizons conference, I really you know, respected the, the session you gave and the talk you, you gave around the oh, technologies thanks. that you're passionate about. So, uh, hey, that's where that came from. But uh, yeah, um, in today's episode, we're going to talk about Uniform and what it can do in combination with content and other headless CMSs or just other API sources in general. So it's yeah. very exciting because it's this whole idea of like a composable architecture or, or platform, right, Tim? Exactly. And so nowadays, of course, if you look at like even the conference we spoke on, Everything is headless, right? Everybody's dealing with how do we compose things together? Because you, if you're an e-commerce nowadays, or you're like you do campaigns and things like that, you want to choose exactly what you need for your website, and you also want to choose what you do not need, so you don't add that in. Mm -hmm. And that's where it's all going now. And as it turns out, that is not so easy. You kind of need to understand how all these things work to put them together nicely. And that's where Uniform comes in. And so I'm pretty excited to show you some stuff today. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think it's something that we're seeing across our client base, across just industry um, publications and articles on the web. Just what is, you know, composable? How can we do it? It's hard or is it not hard? You know, there's a lot of, it's kind of a new concept on top of Headless, which is already yep. somewhat new compared to a traditional all-in-one solution. So uh, you know, and I do want to back up a little bit. I forgot to say. So, Tim, your your title, principal developer advocate. Yeah. What what is what does that actually mean to someone who may not be aware of of what developer advocacy is these days? Well, that's a great question because that's a very new field. It's been around for a couple of years now, and what you see is more and more startups that work with products. They need some sort of a liaison between the developers, between the partners, and the product team or potentially the marketing or the support at the startup. And if you just have marketing and just have support, you're missing like a whole user base, which is the developers that are using your tool. And so that's where I come in. And so I'm very happy to be able to do things like this, like our podcast, where I can talk a bit about our product and then hopefully get some people excited or not excited, doesn't really matter as long <laughs> as it's out there. But the interesting bit here is you kind of shape the perception of your brand or of your startup in the eyes of the developers. And in the end, if developers love your product and they kind of understand how it works, they will tell their bosses to use it, right? And so this is kind of where I come in, where I kind of try to be a, um, an SME, like a subject matter expert, but also know our product well. Or if there's something wrong, you can ask me. You can just go to my Twitter, you can see it in my name here, mm -hmm. and literally ask me anything. And I'm there, and I'm supposed to know as much as possible about the product, so I can kind of direct people somewhere or help them out directly. And so lots of startups have this, and more and more are doing it. And some companies have teams of tens of um, DevRels. Right. So it's, it's starting to become a real um, focus for a lot of startups. And you can even um, evolve your marketing around it potentially. 
right? If you're a true only developer startup, we are not, we are a bit wider, but you can do that as well. And so it's a very interesting field that I'm still exploring, to be honest. <laughs> well, cool. And I, so I, I led you that way. It's because I'm going to ask you the most important question of, of the stream right now is, okay. so then if you're not sure what Uniform is or what it does, you want to check it out at maybe like uniform.dev as, as the URL I'm putting up on the screen right now. Tim, yeah. what, what is it? Give me the elevator pitch. Make it real simple. What, what's the best way to describe the, the product uh, that Uniform offers? Wow. You put me on the spot. I like <laughs> it. So basically, let's today try to talk a bit more on the developer's perspective. Of course, there's also the practitioner perspective, as we call it. The practitioners are the people like content editors, marketers, architects that are using the tools. But we also have the developer's perspective. And so the developer's perspective is generally like this. Let's say you've built a whole website with a bunch of headless sources. And then you're live, and then you're going into your next sprint as a developer because, you know, things move on. You go to the next thing. And then your content editor or marketer asks you, hey, can you just make me a landing page with five products, two pieces of content from a different CMS and personalize it a little, little bit against the user that comes to the page because they came from LinkedIn or something. And then the developer is, uh, no, I'm mid sprint. I don't have time for that. Well, why are you asking me these things? I just build you a whole website. And then so there's a bit of frustration for that content editor that wants to tell their story, which is impossible now. But then on the developer end, they're like, yeah, but my software wasn't flexible enough or you couldn't do what you want. And so there, there's this divide. Mm -hmm. And so that issue we're solving with Uniform. So it helps you to kind of, on the one hand, really compose or make compositions of different headless sources in a no-code environment. So you don't have to know anything about code and you select things from different sources and make a page. And then on the, the developer end of things, you have one SDK to get all that data. And that SDK is super smart and helps you out to be able to write your code the way you want it to choose your own front end, your own CD and your own hosting, anything with data. And that's what makes it very interesting because if you switch your CMS inside Uniform, the front end is still the same. You just have to map some data a different way, ready to rock. And I guess that's how I would shape it right now. And there's different stories there we could go into if you wanted to, but for developers, this might be the most interesting bit. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And in fact, the beginning of your answer, Tim, you just described my whole last week, I think, with like two or three of my clients. Oh, yes. I you know. know. Was, I've been there. <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know, no one's fault. Business today, no. the way digital Nature of the game. is going, you know, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fast and furious environment that we need to yep. create content for and landing. I mean, heck, exactly. we had here in the U.S., we had Black Friday this last week oh, yeah. and Cyber Monday and, you know, landing pages, discount offers, personalization, that's what everybody wants to serve yeah, exactly. that, that opportunity and, you know, basically convert more, more, more buyers. So, and I've been around where we needed two sprints to do a black Friday page, mm -hmm. right? With uniform, you don't, you need an hour, maybe probably less if you know what you're doing, yep. which changes the game. Right. And that's very interesting. And there's one other thing that I think is also pretty interesting is that let's say you have a CMS, a CMS contains content items that you want to use, right? But these content items don't re or shouldn't know 
in which context they are shown on a page. Because they could be on re your refrigerator tomorrow. They could be on your phone today. They could be on your television the day after. They don't know if they're a feature product or shown big or small. And so what we see all the time, if you don't have a proper system to orchestrate these pages, layouting data starts to seep into the content items of your CMS or your e-commerce product. Yep. And then if you look back in two years, you don't have this featured big product anymore because you're doing it a different way. And so why is that data existing? And so when you use uniform, you can kind of separate these things out. Your composition has your layout data, the variations of the components you want to show, um, all that kind of stuff, personalization. And then the content really stays content in your CMS or in your um, you know, e-commerce engine or wherever. And right. that makes it, it's, it's really nice and future-proof that way. I couldn't agree more. In fact, that's a lot of the things that I tell a lot of our clients. So uh, what I want to do is instead of just talk about it, I know you spent a little work and I appreciate that to, to show us some of this. Sure. So hopefully we can take a look a little bit behind the scenes of what Uniform does uh, from a product standpoint, how it integrates sure. contents by Kensco and uh, maybe a little story of where you're at with some of the integrations too. Yeah, sure. So let me just click share. And so what I wanted to do today, I'll just share my full screen here. Um, I actually, um, I'm like, this is an interesting bit, right? I'm kind of in the middle of creating something here, right? So um, I have a, one of my demos here and this is my dashboard, right? So if I just click my dashboard here, you can see there's a whole bunch of things going on. And my current active integrations are BigCommerce, Contentful and uh, content by Kentico. And there's a whole bunch more you can do. You can, you can select a lot, but of course today we're talking about content. And so you're catching me mid project and I'm in such a way that I, I have made the connection to content. I've added mm -hmm. my API keys. And so it is basically this one here. This is my content, um, and my instance basically yep. and so what i want to do now is actually make one of those um, compositions and then start adding um, a, uh, an item from content in there and then show you where i'm at right let's just keep it low-key and see where we are and so basically i just created something called a landing composition and so what you see here i might zoom in a little you basically have something that is a composition. It has a slug here, so it's slash landing. And you don't have to add a slug. This doesn't have to be a page. It can also be a part of a page if you wanted to. And so inside we have something called slots. So here I have my header, I have content slot and a footer slot. And so each component can have slots and they're either composition component or just a component. And mm -hmm. components tend to point to headless sources. So in this case, this hero, um, which is a hipster dude hero, is actually pointing to contentful in this case. Um, and so if I wanted to switch it out or select another one, you would select it from contentful in here. Same goes for the story, but I've also, for example, I have a featured product that comes from big commerce and I can even choose the variant of what I want to show here. And so when I click preview, um, I'm actually looking at that composition on my local host at the moment. So there's your hero, there's your story, there's your featured product. And then I have a product collection here, which is this one, a collection list. Oh, and I even have an accordion, which is this here. 
And so these things all come from different headless sources. Mm. But I want one from Kentico content. So how about we actually go to our component library and let's make another hero banner, but let's get it from Kentico. And um, while you're doing that, way, yeah, one, yeah, one question on. for you. The number of components in a composition, I'm assuming you can have as mm -hmm. many as you want. That's kind of unlimited. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, so what we have, each component has a couple of things. So you can add parameters. You can add slots. So a slot be just basically is like a little placeholder you can put other components in. Okay. And you can add some variants because components tend to have variants like image right or image left or things like that. And so in this case, I want to add a parameter called, I'll just call it an entry because it's a CMS entry. And I could select text or drop-down list or checkbox from here to do some sort of layouting parameters. But in this case, I actually want a content item. And so what we created is you can actually select different content instances if you wanted to. Sure. Like I could have five instances it could be one instance that has all my global content and then sub instances that have my localized content for if you have multi-tenant site things like that yep. and so in this case i have my hero banner and you see these content types actually come from content so if you look at the content model that i have here there's my hero banner and that actually comes back here so it knows it it's completely connected and say so, okay let's connect this and say my title parameter is going to be something called entry because that entry that that would basically just be um, the title that you see here so you can actually see what you're doing mm -hmm. so now i've created this and let's go back to my landing composition and say okay how about under this hero we're just going to add another hero and let's see do i actually have it no i don't have it yet because it needs to be allowed to go into that content um, slot. So let's go to our normal so that page. That makes sense. You basically, you have a little governance around exactly. what, what can go into what part of a composition. Yeah, because you're going to, this is made for scale, right? Yep. And uh, here, there it is, Kentico banner. And at one point, you need to have a little bit of rules of what can go where. Otherwise, you can potentially break things. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, okay, so it should work now. There Did we find it? There it is. And so now it, it's looking for hero banners inside my um, Kentico instance, right? So if you want to see those here, you see uh, I have a bunch of type hero banner. You see there are a bunch here. Yep. And you see those here as well. So let's add the hero banner for the developers page, for example. And so now what we've done is we've added this to it. And when you now look at my preview pane, um, there is something that just came in here. And it seems like maybe there is some code already, but um, I'm not really seeing any data. And so um, because I'm in the middle of this, right? So right before we started recording, I actually started by trying to implement a Kentico banner bit of data for us. And so you can probably see that, uh, let's see. So I've actually in our hero folder here, I added this Kentico banner that has a title description and an image. Mm -hmm. 
Um, it's just not getting that data at the moment. And this is where I want to actually, this is not broken. This is actually a feature. And so what's interesting about this whole setup is when you look at this whole landing here, and we actually look at the source that comes out of this, what you can see, it actually has a name landing with the slug, and it has the slots for footer, header, and content. Yep. Yep. And inside the content, we have this hero. Then we have the Cantico banner, and then we have a story. And you see this is the type content entry, and this is the type contentful entry, and we have a big commerce product. And the thing that is, is actually interesting here is the fact that there's only an entry ID here or there is a um, specific source code name in Kentico that is just the ID of the item. And this is by default. We choose to do this because we don't want to get all the data from all the headless CMSs that you select and then cache that for you. Mm -hmm. Because what happens if there's sensitive data in there? You only want to keep that in your CMS and on your web page, but not in other systems. Or potentially, if somebody unpublishes a, a component, then what happens? Do we need to purge our cache? How do we know? And so that makes it all very complicated. And the whole point is you're only doing compositions with this data. You're not changing the data itself. Because if I wanted to make a new hero, for example, I would actually just say, oh, in this case, that doesn't work here for... Um, for content just yet due to what kind of APIs they have. Um, if I wanted to make a new one, I do it inside the CMS itself because it's much better to do content editing in the CMS rather than our system. Oh, right? yeah. yeah. And so this is actually a feature. And then so what we have to um, make sure that everything works is now you can see here, let me see if I can zoom that in a little. On this side, this is now the website itself. Um, if you now look at the hero, the contentful enter, you see here suddenly there's the name, there's the title, there's the header, there's some copy. And so on the website end, there is a bunch of data, just not for the Kentico banner because I haven't installed that just yet. But for the story, there's contentful stuff. And then for the product, there's also a whole bunch of stuff for the product. And so in your code base, you get these IDs, and then we have something that we like to call enhancers. And so you get a content ID, wherever it comes from. You know what type it is because it gives you a type, literally. It says, in this case here, if I scroll up, this is the type for Contentful. We have a type for Kentico. And so you install an enhancer that you get from our SDK that fetches that data for you. And then you can chain these enhancers. And so the next enhancer could be, okay, I want the pros of my component are ABC, but what I get from Kentico or is DCE or something. And so you can map that data so it aligns and then give that to your component and the component renders. That means the component doesn't know where the data comes from. It just gets mapped data. And so... You do that here. So I have my um, the docs open here. So if anyone is interested in how that actually works, um, it's always easier to read, right? But we can go over it a little. Okay, this is kind of the life cycle that we're dealing with here. So you have your app. You fetch your composition. So this here. Then you enhance your composition. And what that does, it queries the CMS items for you, mm -hmm. or you can just grab one 
or you can grab some product or you do some other stuff with an API. And inside these little boxes, you can do a lot of things. You can enter the dad joke in the ever field if you wanted to, or you can um, do multiple queries in there, or you can do, well, lots of things. You can map data from one set of props to another so your component understands it. And once that is all done, you get a final layout data, and that is what this is here. And this is then going to your components, and you can deal with them um, any way you like. And um, yeah, there's lots of stuff here. I'm not sure we should go into all this now specifically, but this makes it very interesting, especially when you're doing things like, um, for example, um, let's say you have Jamstack site. On build of your Jamstack site, you will do all these queries, your page renders, and your front end knows nothing of all the CMSs and commerce systems or content at all. And it just is there. And then you can have as many connections as you want because it all happens on build. And that keeps it very simple. Of course, if you have a more dynamic type of website, let's say like an e-commerce or something that needs to be dynamic, you can also just grab these enhancers and put them on your own microservice or serverless function and really code it as an API. So you use the enhancers as like a little proxy. Right. So your front end queries your own proxy. It doesn't know about Kentico content. It doesn't know about big commerce, just queries it. And these enhancers just give you all the data exactly how you want it. And so yeah. you can even separate your team out of somebody who's like the backend developer nowadays could then be just your endpoint creator that deals with these enhancers. Yeah, it's and almost you can, like you're yeah. controlling the pipeline yeah. of what's going to end up on that live website based exactly. off multiple sources or service yeah. functions, anything you want to do. And I yeah. think that's really cool. So, um, yeah, and we probably don't have time to get into all that, Tim, uh, but maybe next time we'll, and we'll talk about it in a second. Uh, however, I just want to mention a couple of things I saw. So sure. from a takeaway perspective, if you're a content developer or user, I saw a couple of very interesting things. One, mm -hmm. the fact that you could tie to multiple sources yep. uh, inside of Uniform. I think that really lines up well with maybe even the collection feature of content where Maybe you have different global collections. You need to pull from North yep. American collection to get this hero, or you need to pull from the global region or LATAM or Asia Pacific. Yeah. So that's awesome. Because I think you could probably tie that to all those collections plus different projects and have really sure. Granular that's very easy to do. Player. Exactly. And yep. you can have give people the freedom to then compose with these things. Because you mm -hmm. see quite often that, like, and this is another use of it, is that you have third parties, right? Let's say you have a ratings and reviews third party or an embed of some sort of, let's say, an Instagram feed. Well, it's nice if you code these, it's all working, but you still want to compose with them and maybe even do things like personalization. And so you can make a component in Uniform that is called ratings and reviews, and it has like an ID field or something just a parameter so it doesn't even connect to a cms and then in your front end you get that parameter through your enhancer and you're like oh well let me just create this embed add a parameter in embed is done and then suddenly you have that third party running on your page and you in your front end you can do all the fancy lazy loading or whatever you need to do with these things but your content editor can say well let's move it up one or let's put it on another page or hide it here when somebody has a specific action, let's say they add to bag, I'm not going to show it anymore. Mm -hmm. You can control all of that. And suddenly you have a composable third party system.
And so it can go in all these different directions. Yeah, very cool, very cool. And I also, I really like how, like you mentioned, we're 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 basically storing identifiers only to yeah, these exactly. snippets or content items. Yeah. It's not like we're caching the actual content in Uniform because you're right. There, I think it's just there's a whole world of of headache and nightmares that that could create by duplicating oh, yes. all that content. We it, don't want to do it, that. It, and the thing is that kind of creates like a fender lock-in like thing. You're kind of creating this other system that holds the heart to everything. And that's all we are not. We are the opposite. And so for every question you just asked, I can give you five solutions with how we approach it. There is no opinion. You can do this with different ways. I just had a little React project with Next, but it can be in Vue. It can be in anything. It's just JavaScript. Mm -hmm. Right? And so... Awesome. Um, I think for the next step, what is actually quite interesting is if you want to do personalization and almost all websites or people that are building a website that is slightly more than just a simple site, they want some of that, right? But it's really hard to do traditionally, especially when it comes from all these different sources. How do you know what to personalize and where to show it and how to even configure it between these different sources? And if you now have a system where everything is on one page as a composition and you can click personalize between these different systems, suddenly it's really easy to, with, some, with a bit of governance, to just set that up. And mm -hmm. so that's a whole other story. If like we've created you now a comp composable digital experience platform where things that are normally in the context right? A-B testing, analytics, things like that are now suddenly very easy. And your MVP project, your first release can have this personalization or A-B testing because you already have the tools. Everything is nicely packaged up. That's All right. Awesome. So th In that's fact, a bit of Tim, my marketing you on pitch the spot, here. But... Like right sure. there. Can I ask you to join me on another episode of Content Rocks where we can talk about just the personalization example sure. you drilled through? Because I think that's super interesting. Because there's lots to unpack there because the traditional personalization is usually stuff like let's put some rules in place like 15 to fetch that data and put somebody in a persona right and you can be persona a or b like my mom or my wife buying me a present whatever mm -hmm. and but they have the same goal and there's lots of rules and so Traditionally, when I want to do this, there's so much rulemaking that people kind of have a PhD in rulemaking almost. It's crazy. It's very complicated. And so we go into the opposite direction. I won't go too deep now because I know we're nearing the end. Yep. Um, but what we do is we look at the intent of the user. And then based on the actions that the user takes, we figure out what the intent is based on these actions. We give it a certain score. And the if intent A or B or whatever is scored the highest, we look for the content that is tagged by that intent and just show it on the page. And it's very easy to tag this content in a system like Uniform. And um, it all, right, all well, works. I'm going to cut you off right there, Tim. Yeah, I, I know. Give it all There's away. a lot there. A whole sure, talk sure. On it. We yeah. are a little bit over on time. So uh, what I also want to end up with, if anyone's curious about where to check out Uniform, I think we'll put up on the screen right now. The, there like we go. Create a free account at uniform.app. Very easy, right? Should be like just sign up and you're ready to go. Is there anything else that you would need, Tim, like to to bring to the party to get started or nope. just follow uh, the getting started guide? Exactly. Literally everything I just showed you, all these integrations and all that stuff, everything is free. You can have a full composable DXP for free in like 20 minutes if you follow our onboarding flow. Very cool. Very cool. And then, and if you want a little bit more than that, 
depends on who you are. I know developers may not always want this, but I think you can also set up a one-to-one -one demo yep. uh, at you know uniform.dev slash demo. And then, heck, uh, I know you're active on Twitter, Tim. Sure. And we, we've talked about it, how you're, you know, your handle's on the screen right now. It's at Tim Benix. Uh, yeah. That's a, a great place for people to get hold of you as well, correct? Exactly. Feel free to just reach out and then we can chat about anything that you like or do not like. And then we figure it out. <laughs> awesome. Well, I appreciate the time today. Uh, we're going to wrap Cheers. it up for now. But this, you know, we're going to do a follow-up episode on personalization. And I'm excited for that. I will let you go enjoy the rest of your day, Tim. Uh, again, just thank you very much for joining. It's been a great episode. And this has been the Content Arcs podcast uh, with Brian McKeever and Tim Bennett. Awesome. Cheers. Thanks. Thanks.